morning. Praise the Lord. The Lord is my salvation. In the morning service, I couldn't help but tear up as I heard that song, as we sang that song, because he is the only one who matters. He is our salvation. He is our God. He is our King. He is the one that we look to. He is the one we can call on. And I thank him for that. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll be starting at verse 12. When Paul is addressing the church of Corinth here in this letter, he is addressing them about some abuses that are taking place in the church. The particular abuse that he's tackling at this portion of the scripture is the abuse of the gift of tongues. So the Lord had granted church at Corinth to some of the believers there the gift of tongues, which was the ability to speak in a foreign language that they had never studied. And I want to make the distinction that it was a language and not just gibberish that we hear sometimes in many places around our world that is passed off as tongues, where individuals are saying words that have no meaning. But this was a sign gift given by God in order to edify or build up the body of Christ. So what became to happen was that the Corinthian believers who had possessed this gift, they became prideful. And as a result of their pride, they started to behave as if having this gift of tongues somehow made them more spiritual than the rest of the believers in the church of Corinth. As if having this gift put them on a higher plane or put them somewhere closer to God, which was not true. They began to exalt the outward sign gift, the showy gift that people could see and began to neglect the other gifts that God provided to his church. As a result of this, they were prideful, and the people who didn't possess this gift were envious. I come from a background where I've seen this firsthand in real life, where if you didn't speak in tongues in the church, you were some kind of second-class Christian or second-class citizen of the church. When honestly, much of that was not even authentic tongues that came from the Lord. But it became an abusive way to manipulate and control people is really what it was. Now they're using the true gift, but they're using it for their own glory here in the church of Corinth. They're using the gift to exalt themselves instead of exalt the gift giver, who is God, who is Jesus. And so Paul, in the scriptures that we will look at this morning, will show us the foolishness of exalting one gift over another. The foolishness of having pride in something that God has given you that you have not given yourself. In Highland Crest, I know that 
Speaking in tongues is not one of the things that we struggle with here in our church. However, we are not off the hook here. Because we have other spiritual gifts within our body. And I want you to ask yourself, what spiritual gifts in the body are you neglecting or looking down on or looking at as a lesser gift than some other? Are you exalting the person who stands here higher than you are your brother or sister who serves in the back? This is something that's easily done. It's something that easily creeps in is that we place more emphasis or significance on the gifts that God has given when every single one of the gifts that God have given are useful and beneficial and needed in his body. Lord, I am grateful for this word. Father, I pray that you would speak to your people this morning. I pray that you would be glorified and that your people would be built up. Father, I pray that you would steady my mind and my heart and that you would have me to speak the words that you want your people to hear. No one comes to a church just to hear the word of a man. They want to hear your voice, Lord God. And I pray that you would move me out of the way, Heavenly Father, that you could be seen clearly this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Read with me, starting at verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many, are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor. And our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect, which our respectable parts do not need. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable, so that there would be no division in the body but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. As I was reading this scripture, as I was thinking about this passage, there was a song that came to mind, a song that was put on my heart. And it's just a few little verses, one verse really, 
And I think it sums up this scripture so well. It goes, I need you. You need me. We're all a part of God's body. Stand with me. Agree with me. We're all a part of God's body. It is His will that every need be supplied. You are important to me. I need you to survive. And it was hard. It's hard for me to even get through that song without tears because it's so true. Faith family. I had done a lot of prep and the Lord spoke to me last night and he said, just speak. He said, you don't need all of that right now. I want you to speak plainly to, to my people. And as I think about that song and I think about how much I need every person in this body and how much you need me, how much we need each other in relation to this scripture, I can't help but be overwhelmed with emotion. As I look around our world, and as you have looked around our world, what I see is division. What I see is fighting over things that don't have any value. Some things that do have value, but they're placed in a position that is higher in the value scale than they should be. Arguing over whether or not we should wear masks. Should we wear them? Should we not wear them? Arguing over should we worship online? Should we worship in person? Arguing over whether racism exists. Arguing over all of these things that are lesser issues. When what God wants us to do is to love one another. These things should not be true inside of the church. Outside of the church, I expect the world to be the world. I expect the world to do what the world does because they are children of their father, the devil, and so they follow his lead. But in the church of Jesus Christ, we are children of our father in heaven who is holy and righteous and good. And that's not what he has for his people. May it not be said of the body that we are divided because God's word is telling me that we are not. I don't care what it looks like outside of the church other than the fact that I care enough to go and reach them so that they could be inside of the church. But I do care about how we, as the body of Christ, treat and love one another. If there's unity nowhere else, there should be unity in the church. There's unity in diversity. And I thank God for that. For just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of the body, though many are one body, so also is Christ. I got one point and one point only. There is no division in God's body. There is no division in God's church. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, 
whether slaves or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. The body is a beautiful picture of what God is communicating to us about the singleness of mind and spirit and heart that the church should have. The body and all of its internal and external organs work together in concert for one purpose. And when any part of that shuts down or breaks down, we know it. If my liver stops working, the rest of my body knows it. You see, the church is not just an organization or a social club. The church is an organism. It is a living, breathing thing that God has created. A robot has organization. A robot can move together and do the things that it's told to by the one who controls the remote. But the problem with that robot is that robot doesn't have life. But God's body is an organism, so it's a living and breathing thing. And if we are attached to Christ, if we are attached to his body, then we also have life. The body is an instrument that we use as people to carry ourselves around and to express ourselves to others. The body of Christ is the instrument that Christ uses to carry us to a lost and dying world to tell them what God has to say. And so we must be attached to the body if we're going to be healthy, if we're going to live, if we're going to have life. Verse 15, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. What spoke to me here is that the fact that all of the members and the parts of this body are necessary. When people separate themselves from the church and expect to go on being healthy, to expect to go on having life, to expect to go on living as things were as usual, it's not going to happen. If I lose this hand, this hand dies. When this hand becomes separated from my body, it is no longer useful and it dies. Now, I'm not preaching to you about leaving or being a part of Highland Crest. I'm talking about the body of Christ. And I'm also talking about the local gathering. You are necessary. You are needed. I don't care if your gift is not one that shows out and everybody can see it and everybody praises it. We need your gifts. This body is only healthy when every part of it is working in unison 
for God's purpose, which is to reach this lost and dying world that is around us. My heart has been heavy as I think about the people in our community who are thinking about suicide. The people in our community who want to give up. The people in our community who have never heard the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And if they can't look anywhere else to find unity, to find truth, to find diversity, to find power, they should be able to look at the church and say there's something going on there that's unlike anything that I have ever seen. The way that they are loving each other there, the way that they are working together there, is something that I have never seen in this world that I'm living in. And it should draw them in. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Excuse me. But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts of the body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. God gave you a gift. And the gift that God gave you is yours. But it's not for you. It's given to you, but it's for others. It's through you. It's to you and it's through you. If anybody is in this room and they are a believer in Jesus Christ, then you are gifted. Stop believing that you have to stand here or you have to do something that everybody can see in order to be gifted, in order to be walking in and living out the purposes that God has for your life. My God doesn't make mistakes. And for us to turn around and look at the gift that he's giving us and to look down on that gift as if it's not useful to the body of Christ is an affront to a holy God. My God wants the quiet ones as well as he wants the loud ones. My God uses the ones who work back in the nursery as well as he uses the man who stands in this pulpit. My God uses the ones who are down there working with the, with the, young, the young children and the, the teens and all of that just as much as he uses any other part of this body. No part is more important than the other. We are all of great value to Jesus Christ. Could you imagine, or maybe you don't have to imagine, have you ever given your child a gift? Have you ever given them something that you thought that they'd always wanted, that they'd been waiting for, and you thought about it, and you're like, oh, I'm going to really do this, I'm going to surprise them, I'm going to give them something great. And you hand that gift to your child, and your child looks at it like it was garbage. It hurts your heart, doesn't it? It breaks your heart to know how hard you've worked, how hard you've thought, how much you've given in order for them to have that gift. And they turn around and reject it. How do you think God feels when he's given us gifts for the purpose of building up his body, for the purpose of loving one another, for the purpose of reaching the lost? And we say, God, I don't want that one. 
I want his. I want hers. May it never be so. Your gift is important, whatever it may be. And God wants to use it for his glory. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. So even the parts of our physical bodies that we by necessity cover up, can you imagine living without them? Can you imagine being without those parts that we hide because they should be hidden? I don't want to think about that. Because I need every part that God has given me. And his body needs every part that he has given it. And those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor. And our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect, which our respectable parts do not need. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Have you ever gotten up in the middle of the night and stubbed your little toe on the edge of the bed? It hurts, don't it? And your whole body knows it hurts. And you hurt with the rest of the body. That's the picture that comes to mind when I think about this. If any part of this body is suffering, may we suffer well with one another. As I think about that, I think about little Doug. And I think about how our church has come together to pray for him. To lift him up daily. To send gifts to send words of encouragement, to tell them how much we love them. I can't get it off my mind. Maybe it's more special to me because I have little children of my own. Whatever the reason may be, God won't let me let that go because a part of his body that is valuable is suffering. And so I suffer with them. And many of you suffer with them as well. And that's what Jesus wants us to do. And in the same vein, if anybody in our body is elevated, is lifted up, is put in a great position, may it never be that we go, I wish it was me. Instead, we should go, thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in that man's life. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in that woman's life. Thank you that they are a part of this body and that you're blessing them. We are supposed to move as one. And I'm talking about unity and not uniformity. Because I ain't just like everybody. And everybody ain't just like me. But that's the beauty of this thing. That God can take men and women from all over the world, from different ethnicities, from different backgrounds, from different social statuses, and he can make them all come together and love one another and worship together. 
That is beautiful. That is a picture of what heaven will be. The Bible tells us that one day we will gather around the throne and worship with all of the nations. Shouldn't we be doing that now? I love this body. I love Highland Crest. And I've suffered as I look at the news and the racial tension and all of these things that are going on, regardless of what you believe about it, I've suffered as a result of that. And I didn't need anybody to fix it. I don't need anybody to do anything about it other than to come around and say, brother, I see your pain. I see what you're going through. And I want you to know that I love you. That should be our heart. No matter what the issue is. No matter what it is, we should feel comfortable enough. We should feel secure enough in this body to come to our brothers and sisters and say, brother, I'm hurting. Sister, I'm hurting. And I need you to pray for me. Don't try to fix me. I need you to mourn with me. Mourn with those who mourn. Weep with those who weep. Sometimes that's all that's necessary. We think we got to fix everything, but sometimes a person just needs you to sit with them. Job's friends did all right when they shut up and just sat next to him. The minute they started opening their mouth and trying to fix him, that's when the problem started. We need each other. We need to stand with each other, regardless of what the world is doing. Again, I expect the world to be the world. Let us not get caught up in lesser issues. Because though all of these things that face us have some importance, they are not the most important thing. The most important thing is for us to get out here and tell somebody that Jesus saves. I remember being lost. I remember not knowing the Savior. I remember being carried off by my sinful desires and feeling like I was a slave to sin. Feeling like there was no hope for me. Feeling like my life was worthless and not worth living. Body of Christ, we are carrying around the message of life. May it never be that we hold this glorious gospel to ourselves and not tell somebody about the goodness of Jesus and what he has done on their behalf. Because of the sin of Adam and Eve, sin entered the world. And now we are all dealing with the consequences of that sin. And those who have not accepted Jesus are standing underneath the wrath of God. And they are in need of a word from God. They are in need of a touch from God. Because I tell you that all of these issues that we are getting so upset about are all taken care of in the cross. Because if I love Jesus, if I am a believer, if I have accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, if I have confessed with my mouth that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father, then I belong to him. And if I am a part of that number, there's no way that I can hate you 
because of the color of your skin. There's no way that I could dismiss you in the pain that you're going through. Because true believers have unity because our head is Christ. And in Christ, all of these things are taken care of. That woman that wants to abort her baby, she doesn't need the law to change. She needs a Christian to tell her that she's worth it. That that child in her womb is worth it. She needs a Christian that will stand up and tell her the truth. That that is a life from the living God. It doesn't matter what man sits on that seat in the White House. He's not going to eradicate sin. Jesus has already done that. And if we trust in him, if we believe in him, if we follow him, then we have eternal life and we have the cure to our sin problem. Because once Jesus comes in, sanctification begins to happen. And the old things that I used to love, I no longer love. And the old things that I used to want to do, I no longer want to do. Because the power of the Spirit of God is living and moving inside of me and informing me and telling me who I am and whose I am. And that's a child of God, a child of the risen King, a child of the Savior. He has shed his blood for us on that cross at Calvary. And today, if you don't know him, I think you need to get to know him. I know that you need to get to know him. I don't care if it's depression you're facing. I don't care if it's anger that you're dealing with. I don't care if it's lust that's in your heart. All of it is buried at the cross when we come to Jesus and we accept him. The Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin for us. He paid the debt I could not pay so that I might one day walk with him in eternity where there's no more pain, where there's no more suffering. And I thank God for this glorious gospel. It is the only message that's worth preaching. It's, the Bible says that it is the power of God unto those who believe. The gospel is not anything else. Not what else I believe about what's going on around me. None of that matters. It's the gospel that's the power. We got to preach the gospel over ourselves. Even as believers, we tend to forget that the gospel is still powerful and effective in our lives. Because we fail as believers. We sin still as believers. The church at Corinth was full of sinners. If I gave you the full history and background of this book about how bad the Corinthian Christians was, you'd all think you were just perfect little angels. But yet Paul called them saints. Hmm. Isn't that odd? Why did he call them saints? Because it's not about their works. It's about the God that they possess and the God that possesses them. And that's what it's about for us, church. I love you and God bless you and praise the Lord. Father, I thank you for this word that you have placed on my heart today. I pray that it would go out and as your word says, not come back void, Father. Lord, I thank you for the glorious gospel. I thank you for your son, Jesus, who has 
died and taken my place, took on him the sin that I deserve. And Jesus, I am grateful eternally. I love you. Amen.